the epistle for this feast of the Holy Family is taken from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. Brethren, put you on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, the bowels of mercy, benignity, humility, modesty, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if any have a complaint against another, even as the Lord has forgiven you, so do you also. But above all these things, have charity, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of Christ rejoice in your hearts, wherein also you are called in one body, and be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you abundantly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual canticles, singing in grace in your hearts to God. All whatsoever you do in word or in work, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the second chapter of the gospel of St. Luke. When Jesus was 12 years old, they, going up into Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast and having fulfilled the days, when they returned, the child Jesus remained in Jerusalem, and his parents knew it not. Thinking that he was in the company, they came a day's journey and sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And not finding him, they returned into Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his wisdom and his answers. Seeing him, they wondered. His mother said to him, Son, why hast thou done so to us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And they did not understand the word that he spoke unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. And his mother kept all these words in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and grace with God and men. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, it is not intelligence that makes for a successful family. It is not wealth that makes for a successful family. It is virtue, Christian virtue, that makes for a successful family. Holy Mother Church proposes for us today a model for all families for all time. And it was not a family that had fantastic secular careers. It was not a family that was wealthy and famous. No, when we give a name to this family that identifies it, that separates it from all other families, we call it a holy family. It's holy families that are successful families, and successful families are holy families. That is the bottom line. That is the long and the short of it. If our Catholicism, our Catholic vision, means anything for us in our lives, that is your goal, to become a holy family. Your entire aspiration as married couples must be to emulate the members of the Holy Family. Fathers must want to be as exactly as possible like St. Joseph, 
mothers must want to be like Our Lady. Both want to be, must want to be like Our Lord Jesus Christ. Leo XIII, in a brief that he issued about the Holy Family, which is quoted in today's breviary, he says, No one can doubt that in this Holy Family was displayed every virtue which can be called forth by an ordinary home life, with its mutual services of charity, its holy interaction, and its practices of godly piety, since the Holy Family was destined to be a pattern to all others. For that very reason was it established by the merciful designs of providence that every Christian, in every walk of life and in every place, might easily, if he would but give heed to it, have before him a motive and a pattern for the good life. The Holy Family is your supreme model for your life. You must strive to imitate the members of the Holy Family in your family life. How do you go about doing that? Well, it's clear that you have to seek to imitate their virtues. But that's so vague. Priests are always annoyed when, when they ask someone, what are you going to do to make yourself holier? People say, I'm going to try to be more virtuous. Well, that's not going to accomplish anything. It's far too vague. And so I want to make a clarification that I think is very important for traditional Catholics about striving for virtue. Sometimes we can get the idea that faith is the most important virtue. And when that happens, we can become content with ourselves and our families if we just have the faith. We say to ourselves, I'm a traditional Catholic. I've got the faith. I'm completely orthodox in the faith. I'm so good as a Catholic. Faith is definitely important. Faith is absolutely necessary. We don't want to be deviating from the teachings of Holy Mother Church. That's the last thing that we, we want, to be do, want to be doing. But that is not sufficient. It's not the most important. It's not the highest virtue. Faith is, faith is like the beginning. When someone comes into the church, the main thing the priest has to assess is whether they believe all the teachings of the church. And that gets them in the door. That is the gateway to them becoming a Catholic. But it's not the whole thing. We have to have faith to be baptized, but from there we must grow in the Catholic faith. And this growth is accomplished especially by an increase in the virtue of charity. It's charity that is the supreme expression of perfection. Without charity, your faith is dead. So don't say to yourself, I have faith and so everything is good. That alone is not sufficient. St. Paul says that above all other virtues, you must have charity. That it's charity that makes for perfection. Perfection is not the beginning of the faith, but it's the completion of the faith. It's the total fulfillment, the embodiment of the faith in your life, wherein you translate your belief into actual actions. Unless you're increasing in charity, your faith is not being lived. And you're definitely not imitating the Holy Family. Above all, your ambition for 
2020 must be that there must be more charity in your home this year than there was last year. Keep track of the atmosphere of your home. See if it's growing in charity over time. The mutual love of the members of your family. The Holy Family was a family of very few words. It was much more a family of actions, and the actions spoke much louder than words. What we find in the actions of the Holy Family is a sacrificial love in the highest degree. Our Lord Jesus Christ loved his parents to an extreme degree. Even though he was God himself, even though they were his very creatures, he obeyed them completely. He was willing, as it were, to set aside his divinity in their presence and be subject to them. And he was subject not just for the time of his childhood, but even into his adulthood, all the way to the age of 30 years old. He was completely subject to our Lord, to, to Our Lady and St. Joseph. This is what is the conclusion of this scene of the Gospel. Our Lord, our Lord went down and was subject to them. And of course, our Lord entered on his public life and sacrificed himself on Calvary, firstly, for his mother and his foster father. When he was dying for the redemption of the world, the first thing he was thinking about was dying for Our Lady and for St. Joseph, the ones closest to his heart. He gave his life, firstly, for their redemption. As for Our Lady, we know that she committed her life entirely to her son on the day of the Annunciation. She united herself so much with him that she was willing to join in his sacrifice on the cross to conform herself completely to the will of the Father as he did. As for St. Joseph, he was the most admirable husband that ever lived. He kept himself chaste in the presence of Our Lady, respecting her call to be the virginal mother of God. And he exercised that supreme role of fatherhood, protecting and providing. He protected Our Lady in her purity from the attack from the outside world. He provided for the Holy Family, defending them, taking care of them, working on their behalf. And he had an entirely supernatural love for our Lord, such that he was willing to sacrifice his whole life for our Lord, even though our Lord was not his natural son. There was nothing of self-seeking in St. Joseph's role and his fulfillment of that role. He was not looking for pleasure in this life. He was so prompt in making difficult sacrifices, such as that difficult decision to put Our Lady away privately, to give her up, to accomplish the will of God. And only then did he receive her back. Or getting up in the middle of the night and flying to Egypt with such promptitude. He doesn't even say anything to the angel. He just gets up immediately and obeys. We know from these examples, that St. Joseph must have been a man full of sacrificial love. This is the family that you have to strive to imitate. This family without self-seeking, a family in which each member generously makes the sacrifices that corresponds to their roles. 
Too often, the thing that is most conspicuously absent in our traditional Catholic families is precisely that virtue of charity. The husband and the wife, they don't seem to love one another very much, or at least their love is very cold. They're not seeking the good of the other, but they're more seeking themselves. There's a certain law in our fallen human nature. It's the way it works with human beings, that no matter who the human being is on this planet, um, that when we're constantly in the presence of another human being day after day, no matter how much we may love them at first, they do start to annoy us over, the, over time. Everyone has their faults, and, and those faults have to become apparent over time. Everyone has their idiosyncrasies. Everyone has their annoying habits, their particular things that they do that, that just might annoy us. You know, familiarity breeds contempt, and unfortunately, familiarity often breeds as well rudeness. But we think that because we've been in the presence of this person for a long time, that, that natural respect that we would have is gone. And that barrier that normally would separate us would stop us from engaging in rude speech or angry speech is no longer there because of the familiarity. And over time, we think that because we become habituated to the presence of the other person, we don't need to show them the same forbearance and the same respect we show to other people. And over time, we start to be kinder to total strangers than we are to our spouses, to the ones to whom we've committed our very lives. We can fall into this rut of blind prejudice where we, we just don't like anything that the other person does just because it's them that's doing it. We just have this evil eye towards the other. They can't do anything right. We've lost all measure of judgment. There's no mercy, no kindness, no patience, none of the virtues that St. Paul lists today in this beautiful epistle that characterizes a holy family. And when this happens to spouses, to a greater or lesser degree, they don't seem to be so concerned about the loss of mutual respect. They don't seem to be so concerned that all these barriers uh, that, that should exist are, are no longer there. That the time to anger is very short, or the time to annoyance or impatience is very quick. They don't seem to understand that they're undermining the entire success of their family by failing to have the proper charity towards one another. A successful family is a holy family, and a holy family practices charity. You have to have that heart that St. Paul describes, the heart of mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Those virtues were not chosen at random. They're specifically chosen as the primary virtues that are meant to be exercised in the family setting. Bear with one another and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against any other. Above all these things, have charity. 
that is your formula for a perfect family. And if we could take this epistle and just put it a placard in, the, in every single home, and if that was observed, what a wonderful thing it would be. This is the perfect formula, this beautiful epistle that Saint, Saint Paul, we have with St. Paul today. In those families where husband and wife do not love one another, are not patient with one another, the children are completely at a loss. Children do not know what to make of it. It's completely incomprehensible to the children because children idolize their parents. For them, their parents are everything. They love their mother so much. They love their father so much. They have so much esteem for them. And for then the father and the mother to be at odds with one another, for the father and the mother not to have that esteem to one another is completely incomprehensible to them. They don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. If you want to have a successful family, you have to have a happy family. And if you want to have a happy family, you have to be virtuous. You must have mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. If you do not have a happy home, you do not have a holy family. That's the end of the story. Unhappy homes are not homes of virtue. Your number one job as parents is to have a happy home and so a virtuous home. Husband and wife, wife must love one another. I've already told you how to do this, and all I've done is just quote St. Paul. How do you love one another? You practice these virtues. Mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and above all, charity. And now I have to mention what you must not do. Those are the things you must positively do. Now for the things you must not do. Husbands must love their wives. And they're not loving their wives if they're viewing pornography. It's an obvious lack of love. They're not loving their wives if they're seeking for sensual pleasure outside of their marriage. Husbands, your whole life and your whole happiness must be in your family, not outside of your family. You're not on this earth to seek your own pleasure and entertainment you're on this earth to sacrifice yourself for your family, to protect them, and to sustain your family members. If you're selfish, if you do not spend the time that you should with your family, if you're still living like a teenager, then you're not loving your wife and your children as you should. You're not doing your duty as a father and a husband. Wives must love their husbands. If wives are getting together with their girlfriends and complaining about their husbands, they're not loving their husbands properly. Wives, your duty is not to accuse your husbands. Your duty is to excuse your husbands. You must be a source of support and encouragement to your husband in his difficult labors in this life, not a nagging burden to him. You're supposed to make your home a place of joy and happiness that he loves to return to, a place where he loves to spend his time. If a wife makes the home 
a miserable place because she's nagging, because she's critical, because she's always quarreling, if the wife is always at odds with her husband, then she's a failure as a wife and a mother. She may have the faith, but she has no charity. So my dear faithful, there's really only one thing that I'm asking of you today, one thing that you have to do to imitate the Holy Family, and that is that you have that sacrificial love for one another. And with that sacrificial love will come all of those virtues that St. Paul speaks about. If you're able to do this, then you will have a happy family. And if you have a happy family because you have a loving family, then your children will turn out well. They will be very good children. If you have an unhappy family because you have a selfish family, then your children will turn out badly. It's that simple. You only have one chance in this life to make your holy family, to pursue the dream, that ideal, that supreme Catholic ideal of having a family that is like the family of our Lord, Our Lady, and St. Joseph. That's your vocation in life, and now is the time to do it. You're not going to be doing it by faith alone. You're going to be doing it by faith and works, where your faith is translated in a constant and daily practice of charity and mutual respect to one another. Don't just be traditional Catholics in faith, but be traditional Catholics in charity. Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another, and forgive one another, but above all these things, have charity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.